0: Dude, this must have been the most badass POC video yeah, for this. Yeah. You know, like just see the thing. Just go, yeah, know? but there's more. Oh, so There's more. Good. I mean, I was gonna ask yeah, about yeah. tria. Like, yeah. this is like a this is like a freaking uh, you know, like you know, blowout sale. There's <laughs> but wait, there's more. Alrighty, Yusuf dude you're probably one of our top requested guests that we get on the pod so thanks for coming on and welcome
1: uh, hi uh thanks for having me of course uh, I really enjoy your podcast and uh, your show
0: <laughs> awesome dude that that's great um so yeah we just for for context for the for the viewers we are here in sunny Miami for h1305 and we are getting to do a live interview with Yusuf Samuda am I pronouncing that right
1: yeah it's Samuda but uh, it's uh, the same yeah,
0: uh, yeah I'm trying I tried. But uh what if they oh there's some construction going on or something. Um but uh yeah, dude, super excited to have you. So many people have requested and your blog is absolutely legendary. Um so definitely looking forward to this one. I wanted to start us off um with this episode with kind of discussing obviously client-side stuff is your your passion, you know, one of the things you love the most if we look at your at your um at your you know, write-ups that you've done on your blog. Um, and so I, I kind of want to get a little bit more niche down inside of that and understand that a little bit more. What kind of client side things makes your you know your pulse go up? What what kind of thing are you maybe talking post messages? Are we talking about hash? Like what what kind of things within client side stuff are your is your favorite to work with?
1: Okay, so uh, basically when uh, I do look in client side stuff. Mm. Uh, I view it, uh, of course, uh, initially as a bug bounty hunter. Mm. So I look for stuff that uh, pays off the best. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, maybe uh, I look uh, to anything related to oaths. Uh, so eventually, I can uh, escalate to have an ATO. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, uh, so it would be maybe post message, maybe uh, like uh, leaking the hash, the mm-hmm. with the uh, mm-hmm. token or token. Mm. Yeah. So
0: that that makes sense. There's there's uh there's there's definitely a lot of areas of client side stuff where where that sort of stuff comes into play. And if you look at your blog, it's just an array of okay, we've got a hash leak, we've got a post message, but we got XSS, we got everything all over the place. So, um, but but for you, it's mostly focused on let me see what this application does and let me see how I can, you know, optimize this for the goal of account takeover. Is that that's pretty much yeah, where you yeah. end up so normally, the- right?
1: So the final goal is uh, to find an account takeover. So uh, sometimes it would be, like you said, post message. Sometimes it's even uh, self XSS. Mm-hmm. So if uh, I see a chance to, uh, let's say, find the self XSS
2: and from there up- upgrade it to uh, an ATO, I okay. will do that. Very interesting. So uh, is most of your hunting focused around ATO? Like, is that... Pretty much your primary target all the time, or do you ever go for like XSS? Or because you mentioned like a self XSS, is that what you're looking for, or is it kind of just along the way?
1: Yeah. So f- with client side bugs, the maximum impact you can reach is uh, basically account uh, account takeover. Mm. So if you find uh, find it through an XSS, a self XSS, mm-hmm. uh, or a combination of because uh, when we say self XSS, it's a combination of login uh, logout CSRFs combined with that say uh, self XSS mm. and post messages oh so all of that uh uh eventually you'll uh, the biggest impact you'll reach is uh, account takeover
0: okay and, uh, gotcha nice and i just want to make sure make sure you're keeping the mic a consistent distance yeah, from yeah, your yeah. Sorry <laughs> he's that. got this nice you know deep <laughs> voice and i want to make sure that the uh <laughs> the mic picks uh, picks it up um no that makes sense you know and he says essentially uh Yeah, I just try to go for the max impact possible on the client side. You know, just don't give up until I have everything. Uh, That's great. Um, That's awesome, dude. And and so I guess um, I wanted to talk about specifically. uh, I want to go and talk about some bugs right off the bat. Um, There was one (coughs) blog post you did, and and I think this is one of your most recent ones. uh, uh, And you haven't blogged as much over the past uh, year or two, Um, but this is the last one on on Meta, and it was a client side race condition. Via post message. Mm -hmm. And this one caught my attention because this is something that I've kind of been researching a little bit. And I was like, oh, you know, I wonder if this is possible. And I started, you know, standing up some things in a lab and I started playing with it. And it it seems very possible. And then I stumbled upon this blog and I'm just like, frick, Yusuf's already done it. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was wondering, you know, have you? Obviously, this was an amazing write-up and and an amazing bug. Have you had similar um, scenarios like that before where you see essentially state-changing actions happening with post-message that will allow you to trigger race conditions in the flow that's happening on the other tab?
1: Yeah, so uh, with that one, if we can explain more about Mm. it. So it was like uh, uh, an RPC communication between uh, Facebook and the Iframe uh, hosting the game mm-hmm. in uh, apps.facebook.com. Mm-hmm. So basically, what it does, uh, it uh, requests uh, the third party uh, or the game page, mm-hmm. request to the parent. Uh, uh, the OAuth uh, token for that app and Facebook should reply with that token. Uh, what they did uh, at that time, uh, they checked the app ID, the client ID. So, uh, not any app would, uh, request the uh, OAuth token of other apps. Uh, they did that check correctly, but, uh, what I found out that, uh, if we specify, for example, another app, uh, Uh, they'll check the origin in the server side. So, for example, if uh, Candy Crush requested uh, the OAuth token for uh, Instagram app, Mm. uh, it would uh, fail eventually because uh, the origin uh, has to be uh, set to uh, candycrash.tip.com and that would fail uh, in server side. So, what I did uh, was uh, initially make the request uh, with uh, Instagram.com origin. Uh, and they had like some kind of uh, client side function that would change uh, the origin check mm. so because it's uh, an asynchronous uh, request to uh, to uh, to the server uh, to the server request so uh, because of that uh while waiting for the response of that request i'll just uh, make uh, the client side uh, uh that client side post message to change the origin mm. and now like uh because it already made the checks of the origin initially now they completely trust uh, that origin so when it <sighs> comes back it just uh, send it to uh,
0: dude uh, to i freak- can- i freaking yeah. love it man so,
2: so the whole thing is tied to essentially that like window instance or the t- whatever like the where yeah. it's coming from that yeah. that reference and then it just all basically goes from there once it establishes that sort of trust with with that session or that window wherever the messages are coming from then from there it's basically blind and yeah yeah so uh, they do a lot of checks initially of the
1: origin and all of that uh and uh after that they make the request to uh get the auth token and uh after getting it in the response they'll just uh like they don't do checks anymore they just uh send it uh back to uh whatever origin mm. uh, to whatever uh window uh the source window and setting the post message to that origin. Ah, so So, they're using
0: the built-in post message, the second parameter in the post message, right? A lot of time for the attackers, us, it's star, but for some people, when they're trying to control what origin they're sending it to, that second parameter is the origin that they're going to allow the message to be sent to, is that right?
1: Yeah, yeah, so that second parameter uh, to set the target origin, uh, I change it while the while the request is uh, the response is being uh, Dude, returned. I love yeah. that.
0: And and so, one I just kind of wanted to brainstorm with you a little bit about that type of bug. Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously that one's that one's a great one. You have an, an asynchronous you know post message they can go through and change essentially the origin that's allowed to receive the post message on the way back while they're while they've already done the checks. Um, so that's great. Um, one of the ones that I was kind of thinking of is when there's a window.opener uh, check okay. uh, of an of an origin, right? Mm-hmm. And what I was thinking was, wouldn't it be interesting if we had three tabs, okay? We've got attacker-controlled tab, opened tab, vic- you know, victim tab, right? Okay. And when this third tab does a window.opener check, uh, the original tab redirects this guy to a cached page on on the uh on the parent uh, on the site that's allowed right so it does mm-hmm. window.opener dot you know location.href or whatever that that's valid because it's the same origin and then real quickly our first tab redirects the second one back um to attacker control domain before this guy does a post message to him to intercept the post message right and and one of the things that i I did so but like you mentioned in, mm-hmm. in your write up the whole rub here is there has to be a you know, a delay, some action that takes time. Um, and normally that's going to be an HTTP request, right? Because you'll get a couple hundred milliseconds of yeah. time to, to trigger your exploit. Um, and one of the ways I figured out to optimize this was uh, forcing the browser to cache some of these pages. So yeah. when the, the first page does the redirect of the second page, that doesn't start another HTTP request. Mm-hmm. It loads cache. it straight mm-hmm. from the browser mm-hmm. cache. So it's an instantaneous switch.
2: So if you send a post message to a tab that's loading, mm. what happens? Does it hang? Like, does it fail?
0: I think it fails. Okay. Uh,
2: so what's the question? Like I, if I send a post message, like say I redirect the second tab to some other domain mm-hmm. and I send a post message while it's- Redirecting? While it's redirecting. Yeah, because there
1: are uh, no, uh, so there are no, uh, 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 Cross-origin uh, uh, event listeners uh, for mm. messages. So mm. it, there are none set yet. Mm-hmm. So the post message would be sent, mm. but uh, nothing. Uh, nothing to receive it. Mm. Like. Yeah.
0: So 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 the key here is making sure that you get that that timing correctly. And the and the way that I figured out to do that in, in my research was you know, getting the browser to cache your HTML page, you know, with some specific caching headers. Mm -hmm. And then you redirect that page that will be receiving the post message right before the post message gets sent. And then your cached HTML page is already there
2: listening. Yeah. You know, what it also makes me wonder is if you could take advantage of certain, like if it's parsing JSON, maybe you give it a really like deep, dense JSON blob that takes it a second to parse so that you could actually use some built-in functionality to force a delay in just processing time, not even like, you know, caching and stuff, but you know, how long does it take for it to load this giant JSON object? Yes.
1: So uh, so yeah, uh, after uh, the bug I found in Facebook, Mm. uh, I actually found uh, a bypass for that. And uh, basically the bypass was, uh, a a part of the bypass was to uh, try to uh, like, uh, uh, escalate the time needed to, so, we can, uh, so they apply to a lock mechanism. So, when the request is sent, uh, there is a lock. So, we need time to like trick it to not uh, trigger the lock. So, I did that by, uh, uh, I guess, uh, sending a lot of post message requests, like uh, a ton of them, oh. with uh, like each one with five megabytes or mm-hmm. something like wow. that. Wow. And uh, that uh, did uh, the trick. No way. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> Dude, that's so cool. I, I did something similar once with a post message bug on PayPal. Um, and essentially it was a a scenario where I needed to win a race to to a, a an iframe on a victim page, right? Um to send the configuration, right? Mm-hmm. And I needed to get a post message first and get an ID and then win the race with the mm-hmm. with the other post message back to that child post message. And the way that I won it was a by not using JSON parse, by using string um, yeah, directly. Yeah, exactly. Like uh, substring, right? Mm-hmm. And so I knew that the ID was always at you know index twenty three or whatever, right? So directly. Uh, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So substring, just grab it, substring, yeah. go. And the, whereas the the other iframe that was Use. sending it was using JSON mm-hmm. parse and doing some other stuff, which takes more cycles. So there's lots yeah, of yeah. fun ways that we can do so, uh, all sorts of cool stuff like that. So d- I mean, obviously this bypass sounds pretty freaking amazing. I have I've never thought about sending you know massive massive, uh Man. post messages to kind of bog down the side have you have you done any other stuff with uh, with post message uh, race conditions or just those two I think it's a pretty rare class
1: yeah so uh, it's actually the post message is uh, just like uh, the communication part
0: yeah uh, I'll uh, let you turn that off <laughs>
1: Yeah, no worries. Uh, so uh, it's actually like sometimes you'll find the. Uh, so I view post message, uh, uh like event listener, message event listener of post message mm. as uh, a source. Mm. Uh, yeah. So basically it can happen from uh, the URL. Sometimes you can find the race condition. Uh, so let's say on hash change event, yeah. when uh, the hash is changed, uh, it will uh, trigger some. Uh, stuff like uh, it would grab uh, some text from uh, the current location.ref yeah. and uh, try to uh, uh, parse it and all of that. Mm-hmm. So uh, I guess uh, sometimes uh, there are uh, uh, rejects uh, checks mm-hmm. and uh, what uh, you can do is uh, risk condition the rejects uh, check. Uh, of the of the high change right. again large data <laughs> what the hell yeah yeah, yeah it's uh, but uh, it's like uh it's uh very time um uh, uh since yeah yeah yeah, right. yeah so it's not uh i tried it
2: uh, it worked like Maybe once uh, in a thousand. Uh, oh. Yeah, it's a it, very low percentage. Regex bombing is a thing, right? Like where you can yeah, create yeah. like, you know, really hard things Group for regex. To, yeah, 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 yeah. So you can, is that basically what you have to do is like create like a payload that is really hard for the regex to work with so that it takes the amount of time that you need it to take. No, so so you can... the regex uh, basically checks uh, the, for example, let's say it checks
1: the URL uh, of uh of a text uh, from a text, and if it passes, uh, it uh, would uh, do something, for example, uh, set window.location.ref to that URL. Mm-hmm. So we basically, uh, I'll raise condition the check of the the regex check Mm -hmm. and the window.location.ref so because that right in between (laughs) so uh, it it would pass the regex (laughs) after passing the regex uh, instantly i mean change
2: it's no wonder it was like one in a thousand right because the 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 timing on that i mean it's there probably wasn't even a line between it, right? Yeah, a yeah, line, but uh, you, can, uh, uh, you can force it. Also,
1: you can brute force it because uh, it's a client side uh, uh, code. So you can say, make it like uh, the page won't uh, reload. Mm. It doesn't, in this case, it doesn't need to reload. So mm. you can do it like a thousand, hundred thousand times. I,
0: th- I think it's really, I think those are really cool types of bugs too, because you can use sort of like I think maybe technically it's a pop under sort of thing for that where you you open up a page, right? And now the user's interacting with this page, but then you can do this attack on the window that you just came from, right? And because yeah, yeah. and you've got a frame reference and you can, you know, brute force some stuff. I use that often in, in, in these sort of scenarios because, you know, you need some explanation on why the user's sitting there for, you know, five, 10 seconds while yeah, you're brute forcing. Yeah. Obviously, if it was only a thousand, then it, would, it wouldn't it would take very long on the client-side perspective. But, um, you know, wh- if you're doing brute forcing something a little bit more intense, like I've had to brute force a six-digit code before uh, via via post message, which is very doable. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, uh, so very fast. It's, it's instantaneous. Be- yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which w- was something that I did not expect. Um, so that that's definitely... And an extremely cool bug class. Yeah.
2: Well, it's funny because post message is one of those things where it's like you're almost making a request, but you're not. So, like, yeah. the possibilities with it are so much larger, right? Like, it's so fast because you don't have to make HTTP requests every single time. And so, this extra functionality that they like made is. You know, user flow, ease of use, whatever. Like, it's now the hacker's advantage. Oh, yeah. yeah. Did you know, like, before post message, it was like the two pages
1: were communicating uh, using window.name? Yeah. I, yeah. I, so
0: sometimes you can still use that for exploits, um, especially when you need to. Uh, Get a, a payload into a like a heavy CSP environment. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. know if you've ever done that, mm-hmm. but like you know, you set the window name, and then you can you can transfer it away and and access it. So it's it's a it's that's definitely a nice gadget for transferring data across um, quickly. But man, is it a pain in the butt though. And I'm glad we have post message now instead of yeah, window yeah. name. Um, so you mes- you mentioned. I want to go back to something you mentioned before. You said. Um, and and I don't know why I've never really like thought of it this way. But uh, you mentioned the on hash change event. Like, of course. I, I don't know why that hasn't been in my client side perspective of looking for window.add event listener hash change, you know? Yeah, yeah And yeah. and so that's another, that's another great source. And I, I'm wondering actually, and I don't know off the top of my head, can window.opener change the hash of the other page without redirecting the page
1: without like refreshing yeah, yeah. without refreshing i have uh, stories uh, later you oh, want to hear them let's <laughs> do let's do
0: it man yeah i want to okay. hear it right now
1: So uh, basically, uh, uh, do you know, like when you go to Google and search uh, for a couple of words? Oh my gosh, I
0: I love how this story is is starting. Okay.
1: So when you search for uh, and uh, pops up uh, uh, like an article, uh, when you click on the article, it will automatically uh, scroll uh, down to uh, that particular paragraph. Yes. So this is uh, like uh, technology uh, known uh, as uh, scroll to text fragments. It's supported by Chrome uh mm-hmm. so basically uh, is it a chrome can, only feature uh i guess it's chrome like uh, the last time i checked it's only chrome okay uh, so basically you specify in the hash part like you put colon slash colon text equals and mm-hmm. you put like suffix yeah. and uh, prefix and suffix and uh, basically uh, chrome will look in that page uh, for uh, that paragraph or that uh Stuff yep. and uh, scroll directly to that one. <laughs> so uh, what? How I uh, abuse this? And actually, this is was uh, a zero day in Chrome back then when uh, I used it. <laughs> it's uh, reported outage. It. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: Dude, this
0: is great. I love, I love this. Yeah, and we we want to talk about this too because you found some other browser bugs. But yeah, can continue. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So
1: it. basically, what I did uh, was uh, trying to. Uh, Let's say, look uh, in a page uh, for uh, certain words for, uh, let's say, uh, like, uh, you can't look for CSRF token. You you won't find it as text. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, we'll talk about this. Uh, So uh, what I did, uh, first, you have to detect the scroll. So... uh,
0: So is this a cross-site leak? Is that what this is? Or yeah, is it's it a, a
1: cross site leak. Uh, of, Dude, uh, this is so smart. Why did content. I not
0: think to look at this? Yeah.
1: Yeah, but uh, here comes the part of hmm. the redirecting window to yeah. opener and yeah. changing the hash. Mm. So, this uh, uh, check of uh, like every time the hash changes, uh, you look in the page and scroll if you find the text. It would only happen if uh, the hash was changed from uh, same origin uh, uh, domain. Oh, interesting. So, uh, 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 So you can do it, for example, uh, from attacker.com, uh, window.opener.location.ref uh. equals and only change the hash. Right. It won't uh, work because uh, if it's cross-origin domain, it would uh, require each time to change user. Uh, it would requi- uh,
2: require user gesture every time. Mm-hmm. Uh, would it work if... There was a cross origin policy set in the headers on the domain. Look, could you update it? Like, is it blocking you purely because of browser security, or is it specific to this? Feature.
1: Specific to this feature, okay. uh, it won't do the scrolling, the searching of uh, the text, and then scroll unless the hash was changed by uh, same uh, origin uh, domain. Okay. So uh, the first part of the attack is to find uh, uh, a page, uh, let's say in Facebook.com, that would uh, we can control to set window.opener to a certain URL. So, for example, we can set, uh, make this page return window.opener equals HTTP https uh, 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 facebook.com slash certain endpoint. Sure. Uh, it won't allow, for example, JavaScript, uh, but still allows uh, facebook.com. And of course, and
0: course, you just had that in your pocket, you know. Yeah, it's- I had that. <laughs> so, yeah,
1: <laughs> I
0: had that. and uh, Of course. <laughs> This is this is why Ed, let me uh, just yeah, this yeah. is why we really highly encourage going deep on programs right like like this this sort of a masterpiece of a situation where Yusuf comes up with a like a browser quirk and then you need the specific piece of functionality if you know an application especially one as big as as Facebook inside outside upside down yeah, yeah. then You'll, you'll have a list of these, and I'm sure you keep a list of, of gadgets as well, you know, of things that you've found that are like, oh, this could That's probably good. be helpful someday, but I don't have a, you know, a use for right now. This is something that I think not enough people do, and if they would, then they'd see a lot bigger success in the bug bounty realm. Yeah, so
1: sometimes yeah. you see something interesting in, uh, mm. in uh, like uh, client-set code or even an endpoint that returns something, mm. and uh, you just ignore it you feel like it's interesting but you ignore it but uh, i advise uh, anyone to just save it in a note for example one time in uh, during a live hacking event with uh, facebook i didn't find any bags i just went uh, through the notes and i found uh, you know that post message uh, XSS? Yeah. Dom xss the one that uh, like i have uh, a page uh, uh it,
0: yeah you're gonna have to be more specific you said so yeah, you yeah, have yeah, a yeah. lot of post message <laughs> 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 so uh
1: just uh, let's not uh, go uh, <laughs> for the, uh yeah yeah i forgot that one but uh <laughs> i just found it from the note like i just uh, went uh, through and i got second uh place yeah, yeah. that uh, that's event. crazy
0: man yeah i do i do remember that now yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> i'm thinking like <laughs> it's like yeah you remember that one time i got XSS? i was like yeah, yeah, I can I can think of a couple. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, okay. So continue. back to uh, yeah.
1: So basically, with this one, as I said, uh, you need to uh, have uh, the redirect or the change of the hash from uh, same origin domain. Yeah. If you have that, uh, you can basically search uh, in the page. Uh, it would scroll to a certain uh, part of the page if uh, it finds the that word uh the second uh and this is the zero day it was yeah, I was uh,
0: like how do you leak that though yeah
1: so it was like how to uh if i i frame that page and uh when i i frame that page you know sometimes when uh, the iframe scroll uh, the main window would scroll too yeah, yeah it happens so i was able to detect the scroll in the iframe with uh, the scroll in the parent uh window so with that i can uh uh, uh like have a confirmation if uh, a word is found in the iframe or not uh yeah this the
0: dude that's crazy so okay so would wow you scroll on the parent,
2: yeah. would, would you scroll on the parent page or on the iframe
1: so the iframe the scroll will would happen if uh, the word was found uh, using the scroll to text fragment, mm-hmm. if the word was found in the text, it would scroll in the iframe. But uh, unexpectedly, Chrome also scrolled the w-
2: parent uh, mm. window. So uh, both of them scrolled. And would it do both on load? Because you can put it in the URL, right? And it would just, like, if you put the iframe URL as that text with the text hash fragment. Okay. It would scroll to that uh, text in
1: uh, the iframe. Yeah. Okay. But that scroll, Triggered the uh, scroll in the oh. parent as uh, soon as it loads. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, also because no uh, you can way. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, one uh, allowed me to uh, like basically uh, load any page in an iframe and search that page and detect if the word
0: was uh, found or not. Wow! So, wow! And the, the the only requirement being that you need a gadget where you can set the the
1: uh make like uh uh a client side redirect uh from uh, that domain. Gotcha. So for example a page that uh, would uh do window uh dot uh, equals uh that domain with the hash. And that would reduce... Re- it's so yeah, that, that that
0: that's actually not a very uncommon situation with, with post message related stuff, I think, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. being able to do hash based redirections uh, or injections into window location dot hash. Um, and so but it, it can be window location dot hash, not window dot or does it have to be href?
1: Yeah, it can be hash. Oh wow. But it's rare to find dot hash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also it can be like the same page would uh set window.location.ref. It's not like opener setting opener.
0: Yeah, well I I, I say it is it is, I guess, it's rare to see window hash, but it's less rare to see pages where you can um do where you can control the the routing in like these sort of client side page routing situations, yeah. right? You know, where, where you've got like um this whole route table that's set up for the hash fragment right so yeah, if you yeah. if you have a gadget where you can uh control that then well but i guess it depends on whether the, the yeah because you would need the well if you're not trying to leak something that changes then you can do it over multiple refreshes yeah So, yeah, so, yeah. so uh, that, dude that's uh, that's nuts man <laughs>
1: sometimes uh you can do it with the refreshes but sometimes because uh for example uh, uh this is the like, there are more, uh, there's more to uh, the story, so yeah. Okay, so, uh, <laughs> Thank you. sometimes if you can, uh, let's say, uh, return uh, the raw page, so you can change content type set to text, uh, uh, text, uh plain, mm-hmm. so now it won't uh, be rendered as uh, HTML. So now you have access to uh, data, uh, you can you have access to uh, the CSRF token, you can uh, query it. I was gonna uh, ask, no. yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: So, the whole thing is now text. So now you can search text anywhere yeah, within the whole but, thing.
0: Oh. A, but, but you still need the gadget, don't uh, you?
2: Yeah, but the gadget not in that page. If you found
1: like the gadget uh, that would, uh, let's say, Facebook.com has an endpoint, uh, that endpoint ret- returned a JavaScript uh, that would do window.opener.location.ref equals, uh, and you control that part. So now you can change uh, the that page, opener page, to uh, this, uh, like the one that... Ah,
0: dude, what the heck?
1: So uh, this I... is
0: crazy. So then you've got that middle page and then you're using... So every time not I not, want I, to uh, no, I am thinking every, about it wrong. <laughs> yeah,
1: every time I want to change uh, the hash in that page yeah. to make uh, to look for yeah. a word, Using I just to it Yeah, then. so I just reload the endpoint that uh, has window.opener.location.ref. I just reload it, change uh, the value of the right. the value set and it would
2: make uh, it would make the change in the other uh, page because the event has to it has to be triggered by a change, right? So you have to change the hash or you have to yeah, change the it URL. It has to be
1: changed by the uh, same origin uh, domain. Right. So
2: it requires some other vuln. You can't just load the URL once because that doesn't change. Like the hash isn't changing. But if you load a URL that then changes the hash, that triggers an on hash change event, which then you can pick up and it scrolls and then you can use that. Yeah, as yeah. Normal. So
1: that uh, happens. It's not like JavaScript code, but uh, the browser detects on hash uh, I'm, change.
0: I'm seeing it now, man. Dude, this must have been the most badass POC video for yeah, this, yeah. you know, like, just see the thing, just go, Yeah, but know? there's more yeah. so Oh, there's more? The- <laughs> I mean, I was gonna ask yeah, about yeah. Tria Like, yeah. yeah, this is like, a, this is like a freaking, uh, you know, like, you know, s- blowout sale well, yeah, yeah. There's <laughs> a, But wait, there's more! No, this is yeah. great
1: So the STTF, the scroll to text fragment, yeah, it detects words, so it doesn't detect character by character so ah. uh, it's words like, for example, you can't like, uh, brute force the CSRF token because it's, uh, uh, yeah, yeah it's, uh, like uh, 16 uh, bits or, uh, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Uh, you can't, uh, you can't actually look uh, for that. You need character by character in YouTube, uh, in uh, Chrome. Uh, the separation of words is using spaces, using, uh, whatever. I guess spaces and mm. uh, periods yeah, mm. maybe or tabs. Mm. So what I did, like, uh, if I can find a way to change the uh, uh, the page encoding, for example, if it's not specifically set to UTF-8 in uh, in uh, content uh, type, if I can uh, control some part of the of that page, I can inject few characters and the browser with uh, assume that it's not UTF-, utf 8 it's utf 16 now i'll have like chinese words as uh, no yeah way. and chinese words like they have like uh, yeah yeah it's separate and then something. you
0: can d de- you can decode that back down to uh,
2: utf uh, yeah eight. dude yeah, yeah. what the heck this is some matthias carlson shit here <laughs> okay now i need to ask when you submit something like this to a triage <laughs> like what do they understand it like how how much back and forth do you have to go through
1: yeah so uh, actually this uh, one didn't uh, it wasn't reported uh, some parts were reported to facebook.com but this back uh, with uh, uta uh, with uh, Unipo change and everything was reported to uh, a program that i can disclose and uh, they had like uh, like sometimes uh, hard time uh, to understand it but uh, yeah eventually they did and uh, they fixed it
0: wow dude that that's great and i guess your your reports need to be very in depth in order for them to be able to reproduce all that so that's yeah. that's uh, that's amazing dude what what a uh, what a great example of The persistence needed to do this job, because I'm sure you didn't like just see all of that. I don't know, maybe maybe did, but if I were you, I wouldn't going into that situation. I wouldn't have, you know, seen that path straight from the beginning. I would have, you know, it would have taken me a lot of iteration on top of all right. Well, now the you know spacing is wrong. How do I fix that problem? You know, how do how do I get this to be a same origin redirect? You know, what's going on here? So there's there's a lot of persistence that's needed there to try to figure out all those things
1: so t- sometimes like an advice if a new uh, feature comes out uh, you just go to the uh uh the standard page uh, read it and also the discussion page in uh, i'm not sure in github or in chrome mm-hmm. uh, in chrome. yeah yeah you'll find like uh, documents they share documents how they uh, like uh, want to protect against this uh, security threat how they'll protect against this sometimes they'll have like uh accepted risk and mm-hmm. that accepted risk, you can use it to uh, launch
2: another attack in some scenarios. Yeah. Interesting. Do, do they ever push back on that because it is accepted risk? Because they go, well, this is accepted risk, so we're not going to take that. Yeah, but... Uh, <laughs>
0: push back against a Yusuf report? Yeah. What are you, crazy? Like, no. to try to die?
2: No,
1: but uh, the... Browser guys uh, mm. thought that is accepted or uh, like, for example, uh, they didn't require user uh, gesture uh, with uh, client-side redirects originating from uh, same origin domains. Mm. Uh, I guess now they do. So uh, after uh, this, uh, with the brute forcing and everything they do now. So sometimes they do, uh, they're they not convinced about something and after that, uh, they change. Yeah
0: wow dude that's that's an awesome story uh so glad we got that one right in the beginning of this episode Mm -hmm. that that's awesome um wow uh i'm not not gonna lie i'm a little bit stunned on that so
2: yeah so i wanted to ask like it sounds like a lot of your bugs are very multifaceted like there's a lot of different aspects there's a lot of different moving pieces and stuff you mentioned you take notes how like is it super detailed notes and how much are you going back to, to those notes? Because I imagine as you're hacking, you're like, some of it's clicking. You're like, oh, I have this thing that'll work here. Yeah. But some of it, maybe not. Is it, is it all just notes? Or how are, how are you keeping track of that?
1: So I just uh, keep a screenshot uh, of Burb, uh, like, uh, <laughs> or uh, sometimes I will just have, uh, like a uh, note that this page uh, returned, uh, let's say uh, uh, a client-side code that would uh, change window.opener. Okay. Uh, the other one uh, would make a post message that I can control, uh, like control the content. So uh, that the notes would be like this: like uh, this one allows me to do this, mm-hmm. this one allows me to do this, and that's it. It's not
2: like deep, deep. Uh, mm-hmm. noting. Okay, that's cool. That's awesome. I mean, I feel like everybody I talk to, like notes, are like a huge part because there's so many, like potential things that we come across that are useful later. And I think. The bugs that you submit especially like i can't think of anybody who does like that level of chaining and like vulnerability like c- combination that you do i feel like every bug that i see it's always like there's multiple pieces and it's it's so creative do you ever dupe like do, do people ever do uh, like no, no never
1: <laughs> no like the last time i never do uh, uh, yeah it was in 2018 i guess 2019. <laughs> yeah.
0: This guy hasn't. This guy hasn't duped in six years. That's crazy. Wow, dude, that's that's amazing. Um, so, thank you for that story. That's that's great. And I kind of want to come back to your um post message flow a little bit here. Okay, so, um, what kind of what kind of methodology do you normally use for this? Because we've got a couple things. Uh, I'll, I'll sort of state the obvious. We'll get those out of the way so that we can go into the more interesting stuff. You know, you've got. When you've got multiple pages, uh, multiple frames, you know, tabs or iframes and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. that's always a place that you're going to want to look for that sort of post-message-based communication. Um, And you've got, you know, obviously you can see if you've got the post-message tracker plugin installed, you can Mm -hmm. see the post messages flying between the page and the global listeners on the side. Um, So, like, what is your go-to methodology for identifying those things? You just read the JavaScript, like read the JavaScript straight, straight, or are you looking specifically for the listeners?
1: Yeah. So uh, the first thing I do is uh, thanks to friends uh, mm. with the extension. Mm. So I just grab. Uh, I see the the part of code that uh, said the listener. I just go to the source code and uh, get uh, like that part mm-hmm. and uh, start looking if it's it looks interesting. Like they. Uh, they're accepting some data, they're uh, using that data to do something, Mm -hmm. I'll just continue with the research. Otherwise, uh, I'll ignore it and move to the next one. Mm -hmm. So that's it, like, one by one. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sometimes, like, if I see something, uh, I see, for example, uh, a listener from Google, let's say, uh, from uh, GS... uh, like uh, the one uh, SDK, GS SDK that uh, you include uh, to do like Google Authentication. Mm -hmm. So I just ignore it because I'm sure, I I tested before it's safe, so I just ignore it. Uh, I'll ignore, for example, uh, uh, ones talking to iframes that are third party, they are sandboxed, unless they're leaking uh, some interesting stuff to that uh, third party iframe. Yeah,
0: and and in those scenarios too, I've also seen, sort of an inverse thing like if you can pop the thing in the iframe, then you have you might have a, the ability to leverage something back on the parent frame. Um, you know because that that listener is expecting something specifically from that embedded host, right and then you have the ability to talk to that that parent frame.
1: Yeah, sometimes. So if you read the code and see that, uh, for example, it uh, only accepts uh, post messages from uh, origin, uh, let's say, uh, I'm not sure, Mm -hmm. uh, plugin.com, and uh, that origin uh, uh, is uh, from that iframe, Mm -hmm. uh, okay, and... uh, it has some potential. I mm. just uh, go to plugin.com and try to find an the XSS there mm. to uh, inject the iframe, and from the iframe, I will j- just send uh, mm. or, or directly send. And, yeah. and,
0: and especially on high-paying targets like the ones you're you're used to working on, you know, it's worth that extra effort if you can guarantee, you know, if you can open up your browser tab and do a post message, you know, back or your browser console, I mean, into a post-message backup and verify that there's a bug there if you can get an XSS on that, you know, child domain, mm-hmm. then it's very much worth the time to go get the XSS on that child domain and then pop those that big bug by going back up the stack, right? Yeah, I do that. Yeah. Like
1: maybe if it's uh, very deep, let's say, uh, uh, iframe and from the iframe, uh, I have a story uh, about this uh, with Facebook, actually, mm. mm-hmm. and it was very interesting. And it was like... Uh, Maybe uh, a chain of four bags or five bags, yeah. So uh, I'm very interested. Yeah, you, it you've happens. got my attention, Yusuf. Yeah. Uh, so uh, just one more, um, one more thing with mm. the post message. Yeah. Uh, sometimes, like uh, you find that uh, there there is an iframe to plug in, or uh, let's say uh, a logger or a mark. You know these uh, iframes for marketing logging. Oh yeah, all know, the time for the clicks and some. Sometimes it's not doing something critical but the parent page is sending critical information like window.location.ref mm-hmm. is sending it to that iframe so now i'm interested in the iframe if i can find an xss in that domain uh, host- hijack iframe yeah hijacked the iframe uh, receive the window.location.ref and uh, okay it doesn't have uh lot of data, but uh, I can, for example, do uh, OAuth uh, redirect mm. to that page and leak it from there. Mm. Does, uh,
0: do, is that something that you often... So I actually had this in my 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 list on the account mm-hmm. takeover section because I want to pick your brain about account takeover mm-hmm. stuff too. W- like, is that sen- sending off alarms in your brain when you see, okay, I can control the page to which an OAuth, an OAuth code is being sent to? Is that is that often a, a big thing for you?
1: Yeah, so, uh, for example, uh, that one uh, actually uh, triggers, uh, okay, it depends. If I can only uh, set, uh, I can only leak uh, OAuth code to any endpoint, Mm. okay, it's interesting now because uh, it's not that interesting, actually, because I need to find an endpoint that would uh, pass uh, its current parameters to uh, to uh, redirect or something mm-hmm. like that, so I need to find. Uh, it's easier with hash because we, uh, if it's in hash, uh, I can just find an open redirect and the browser will carry uh, the in, hash a to 302,
0: uh, right? Or, or like you need a server side redirect for that, right? Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: But with if it's code, uh, it needs some uh, work. But uh, mm-hmm. I accept it. Like uh, sometimes I'll just uh, do it. Uh, mm-hmm. Also, there are many things that uh, trigger my head. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, I wanted to ask. Uh, well, maybe maybe I'll save this until after. But I was going to ask: when you look for account takeover, is it always like low level type of post message, like technical bones? Or are you looking for like? I changed my email on the profile page and something goes wrong here. Like, do you do you ever look at it from sort of the user perspective or is it always like HTTP, browser. browser, JavaScript, that, that yeah, sort of thing? So, yeah,
1: uh, so you're talking about uh, account takeover that can be caused by uh, server-side uh, yeah. yeah. mistakes or misconfigurations. Yeah, I do that a lot, uh, b- but not uh, with uh, companies uh, I usually work for, uh, with, mm. uh, like Meta, mm. because they have uh, that... Uh, uh, yeah, you can't. Uh, They've kind of got that squared away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, let's say I have few examples that uh, are great, actually. So, for example, let's say uh, uh, certain uh, uh, company uses uh, Facebook, uses Apple, uses Google. Uh, Google, <laughs> grave mistake. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, N- yeah. Never
0: use I mean, you, really Facebook in front of Yusuf. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So
1: in that case, uh, you'll have to, for example. Uh, they'll uh, check uh, after uh, the OAuth flow, they'll check uh, the email. Right. They'll not check uh, the user ID or uh, something else. So when they read the email from Facebook, from Apple, they completely trust uh, Apple and Facebook, and they just log you Mm. into any account with that email. So now if I can find uh, an email uh, confirmation bypass in Facebook, an email confirmation bypass mm. in apple i can hijack that uh, company uh, any account in that mm. company
0: yeah or, so, or or one of the ones we've seen is like if you're passing an access token directly um then sometimes they they will just check the the email associated with that not the app associated yeah, yeah, with yeah. that have I've you found, seen that one yeah
1: yeah yeah i found it uh, actually yeah uh, uh, that one, uh, because they didn't uh, use uh, the official uh, SDK by Facebook mm-hmm. for uh, certain uh, programming language. Yeah. Because,
2: yeah. Well, I was going to say uh, another one that we've seen is like you'll create an account, then link your Facebook account to it and you can change your email on the uh, on the vulnerable site. And then you just log in with the same Facebook account and it's tied to it. Uh, maybe that's what you were just saying, but it's yeah, yeah. tied to the account ID and so. Yeah. There's like two separate account references that are get linked together here, and it doesn't really matter what what is on your Facebook account as long as it's valid. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess we've got that. You mentioned a, a vuln story, and then we got we got on, on a little on a little yeah, a little, tangent. A little <laughs> tangent there. Do you want to go back to that one?
1: Okay. So this one uh, it's a combination of a uh, lot of stuff, uh, post message, and uh, also. Uh, Crypt uh, cryptographic uh, secure uh, functions and not secure functions (laughs) in the client side. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. lack thereof. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, uh, Facebook has uh, uh, this uh, uh, Messenger chat uh, plugin. Uh, It's uh, included in the JavaScript uh, SDK in uh, clients uh, in uh, uh, with Facebook. So basically, when you uh, when you uh, uh, use the plugin; it would just pop up a chat, uh, and you can chat with that page uh, in uh, Facebook. Mm-hmm. So actually, Facebook used that plugin in uh, their own website in uh, uh, an endpoint like uh, facebook.com/goals/marketing, something like that. So um, it loads the plugin and. Uh, that plugin, uh, at some point it has a uh, DOM XSS, but to reach that, uh, to reach the point to exploit the DOM XSS, uh, that's the hard part uh, that will uh, work to, uh, we'll try to do. Uh, so uh, the communication between the iframe, iframe the holding the plugin, the, this chat plugin, and the main page, facebook.com goals, They are communicating, and they're doing, like, uh, some kind of uh, check. Uh, The check is uh, a a callback. For example, if you uh, have a post message from uh, the iframe to the parent, uh, it should uh, have, like, uh, an ID, a certain ID, which is, uh, let's say, Random stuff. And if it's true, uh, it would uh, allow it to uh, call many functions and uh, where the no XSS happens. We we
0: see this quite, this is a pretty common thing with with post messages where there's like a, a, you know, some sort of random ID or some sort of, and then that is tied to a specific handler or set of handlers. That, that, often see that. Yeah,
2: I've seen this on mobile as well, actually, with like JavaScript bridges going between the web view and the the same, same exact thing. Yeah, so tell
0: tell us how you broke it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
1: so basically uh, this, uh, I went to the part where, how this ID is generated, and it was generated with uh, the math.random function. Uh, This function is not uh, crypto graphically secure, like uh, uh, what that means, uh, uh, the pseudo, uh, pseudo-random generator, uh, uh, if you can leak four or five values of Math.random, you can uh, reverse to find the seed, and from that seed, you can uh, predict the next value for of that random uh, number. So what uh, my objective was to leak the, like three or five uh, random values of that page. And from there, I can predict the uh, next one, or I can uh, reverse and find the, you know, the callback uh, uh, ID for uh, the to use for communication. Uh, and to leak that uh, random IDs, uh, they actually uh, named the iframe, you know, window.name, so they use the same function they used to generate the callback IDs. They use it to generate the window.name.
0: Interesting.
1: So now if I can, if I'm able to leak window.name of an iframe, I can, uh, if I can leak it four or five times, without refreshing the page because that would set the seed uh, that's what i was gonna say because i
0: literally have done the same bug and actually shout out to donut my man donut uh because uh he he's done a talk on this and i i pinged him i was like hey i read your talk i still don't understand any of it you know on the insecure you know Mm pseudo random stuff and then he kind of walked me through it and we we figured out in my specific scenario it wasn't exploitable but it sounds like you found a way to actually leak some of the seeds without refreshing it which is a this is, once again, is this gadget after gadget after gadget chained together Yeah, yeah, yeah. to create this. So, yeah, continue.
1: So, the Facebook.com page uh, in mobile, like uh, this is mm-hmm. related to mobile. Okay, all right. So, in mobile, they returned like... Uh, uh, they returned uh, X-Frame options with the allow from. So allow from is deprecated basically, and it's ignored in mobile and even uh, in uh, desktop uh, version. Uh, so uh, basically that page can be iframed.
0: Okay, I'm sorry. So Facebook.com. A- a- X-Frame X options, and then there's allow from, and then it pre- specifies a domain. Yeah. And that's depreciated, so it just ignores it. Yeah. Interesting. It's- that's... For any of you recon people out there that'd be a good thing to hit like mass search for to see where there could be this configuration where they're thinking they've got a secure x-frame configuration but they don't uh, yeah. very interesting i'm sorry continue
1: yeah so that page facebook.com slash goals that page that load the iframe with the plugin now is i'm iframeable so i can iframe it in my website in mobile so when i iframe it uh, so attacker.com can access the inner iframe, of course, and can read the name of the iframe. So I can leak, uh, like, uh, one wow. value of math.random because I can, uh, read the iframe name, yeah. which is like, uh, uses, uh, was generated based on math.random. Wow. So. After, this is nuts. Yeah. So, uh, after that, uh, I'll just, uh, send another uh, so the way to not refresh the page uh, to uh, to maintain uh, the same uh, browsing session yeah. so uh, they had like other uh, uh functions or uh, that you can access without having that uh, certain callback uh, id or certain that id uh one allowed you to refresh the iframe or to uh, try to uh, create the Plugin or refresh the plugin. Mm. So each time you uh, it refreshes the plugin, uh, it generated a new uh, uh, window dot name and generated- this
2: is absolutely yeah. ridiculous. When it works out like that, this is nuts. Yeah, I can't.
1: So now, if you leak five, even if they're separated, for example, uh, you have a math dot random uh, value, mm. then uh, one that you couldn't leak, then one that you could leak. So even if they separated by one or two uh you can uh, actually uh find the seed so uh, wow yeah so uh i found the seed i uh calculated the next uh, method random and uh got the id used the id to uh Explode the DOM XSS, yeah.
2: It's so cool because this is like almost a CTF challenge. I, I, I feel like I haven't even thought about like Math.Random in, since like I did CTFs, you know, like, yeah. um, and it's so interesting. I didn't realize that JavaScript Math.Random was vulnerable to that as well. Yeah, like, it's been for years. Wow. Yeah. It's, wow, it's been known too. If only somebody could fix it. You,
0: yeah, I know,
3: <laughs> no,
1: right? They fixed <laughs> it. They have like now a secure crypto. Uh, yeah, they have it,
2: but... Uh, but it's...
0: Math.Random uh, is still vulnerable.
2: It's still vulnerable, oh, but it's faster. So... Uh, the, secure ran- the secure random class? What's mean, that? There's like a secure random class, right? Is that what you mean? Like the two separate?
1: Yeah. So math.random is uh
2: vulnerable to these
1: type of attacks, but uh, they have like a safe one uh, in JavaScript, uh, crypto...
0: Uh, yeah, it's, I think it's crypto API or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's totally safe. Wow. Well, a lot of people still using math.random. So definitely, definitely an interesting thing yeah. there. And then that whole concept of, you know, graphing all these random, you know, these points that are in the r- random generator function, and then generating the seeds off of it, really cool. Um, I loved that research by Donut and uh, and yes, others as well. So, um, very cool there. So, <clears throat> I wanted to kind of so that was that was a cool a mobile piece as well, Thank which you. is great. I wanted to see that. Um, and I kind of want to go back to what you mentioned earlier. You said a lot of things make the alarms go off, you know, in the head. And that was one of the questions I had here. And so here are some things that I could kind of come up, up with off the top of my head. Um, you know, OAuth flows, any sort of domain handoff of information, post messages, cookie bridges, etc. Those are all things that kind of make my my brain kind of go, whoa, whoa, whoa wait a second. Uh, I think I should be paying more attention to uh, hash changes from mm. this conversation that we've had I'll, I'll be paying more attention to that in the future um wh- can you think of any other things off the t- i know i'm putting you on the spot but um can you think of any other things off the top of your head that sort of get the the alarms sounding in, in your brain
1: yeah so uh sometimes like uh not a lot of people would uh, look in uh uh, dom generated uh, HTML, for example, uh, if uh, you have like uh JS code that would uh, create an iframe mm. and the iframe uh, source is set uh, from uh, a known, uh, a known uh, source, mm. so we mm. have a sync. Like many things, uh, they're not known to people like, for example, if you set the... Uh, action of a form to JavaScript uh, URI scheme, it's an XSS. If you set the iframe uh, source to uh, JavaScript uh, URI scheme, it's an XSS. So uh, sometimes I just focus on things that let's say
0: uh like using create element document.create element and then you kind of see it's not like direct inner html set or uh, Mm. something like that interesting interesting yeah inner html is one of the things i always search for obviously but i don't always search for yeah create create element that's that's smart and then uh, specifically for these specific types we've got you've got source you uh i'm sorry you've got script you've got iframe you've got uh what, what, what are some of the other ones? Form. Uh, uh, form. form. Yeah, uh, form.
1: Action, setting action to. Uh, and then setting action. To. That's good. Would you say you start more at sources or sinks? Mm-hmm. So.
3: Uh,
0: yeah, this is, I if, wanted to ask this too. It's yeah, a good yeah. question.
1: So, uh, most of the time, I start with sources. Yeah, but my man, yeah, give, yeah. Give, me, give me
0: some right here. Team sources, let's go. Yeah, yeah. But in uh, this Get small, out of here. I'm all about the dopamine hunting. Get, I need a sink. <laughs> Get out of here, Joel. Get out of here.
1: Yeah, yeah. because uh, even if you find a vulnerable sink, uh, you have to trace it back and you do all. But with sources, uh, like it's obvious where the alpha is going. Uh. And,
0: and I think source related stuff also lends itself to gadget hunting. You know, like like even if you don't have a sync, even if it doesn't result in an actionable vulnerability, you can you can do stuff, you know, and that's what I'm all about. I think I get a hold on just a (laughs) second, sir. So you mean
2: the 50 unexploitable bugs that I've been documenting are useless? Shut
0: shut up. Shut up, Joel. You know, the the just I'm all about knowing what I can do with the application as an attacker. Right. Mm -hmm. I want to know every place, every location where I can affect the app. You know, and and I think hunting from sources really helps you understand holistically what an attacker is capable of doing in the app, even if it's something benign, you know, like creating a, an element on the page that, that you have no control over. Right. But it inflates page size or, you know, who knows. Maybe it's, it's some random cookie gets sent, and you can, you know, and and it's a randomly generated, uh, cookie key, and then you can inflate the the cookie size and cause client side DOS or something like that, and then use that in a different bug.
1: So with sources, uh, you always end up with something. Yeah, exactly. You, uh, yeah, something that's worth. I'm, I wanna, uh, yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna
2: clip that. I'm gonna clip. <laughs> I'm getting indirectly roasted out here. This is. <laughs> <laughs> Scream forward a little
0: bit. <laughs> no, that's great, man. I I'm glad to hear you say that as well. Sources but are yeah. but
1: uh sometimes like uh I look for things that uh yeah, I look for things uh, before sources. All right. In certain conditions before Let's uh, ignore
0: that part. <laughs> anyway, Yusuf, I've got some other questions for you no, no, no. and okay. then sorry, go ahead. You do look for things, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. So uh, like I said, if uh, I know that page uh uh is setting iframe is creating uh, an element iframe or form or something and uh, i'm sure like uh i'm sure like uh, they're using uh they have a source that i control or something i just straight uh, look for uh, things mm-hmm. because i'm sure that uh eventually they'll use my source or uh yeah because i guaranteed the source parts so or right. now i'm looking because you
2: know what what type of stuff you're looking for yeah. like for example with like the iframe stuff you're looking for changing the href, you're looking for changing the URL or the window location through JavaScript. like So you're going to target a sync instead yeah, of yeah. looking for an entrance. Got it.
0: Mm. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm looking at my notes here, and we sort of covered a little bit of this already, but I'll, I'll repose the question, which is, you know, so similar to an OAuth code being sent to any path on the thing, like if you can control mm-hmm. the path with the redirect URL, right? Um, what are some other things that you've seen since you specialize in account takeover? What are some other things that you've seen that result in account takeover? And what I've learned from you already today is leaking location.href yep. is is pivotal. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so I assume that's one of them.
1: Yeah, yeah. So uh, also uh, self-excesses. Mm. Basically, uh, having self-excesses, you can uh, leak uh, the OAuth, uh token, uh, Uh, Most scenarios, you can do it. So uh, for me, uh, in some targets, self-XSS is uh, directly an
2: uh, ATO. Does it have to have a CSRF to update, like to trigger the self-XSS? Because I assume your attack scenario basically like attacker loads page, updates an XSS to themselves, which then triggers your attack or...
0: Like you're talking about like triggering... The self XSS via CSRF login, yeah, and then you
1: have to have a CSRF. To- yeah, So basically, uh, that's why it's called self XSS. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you self XSS yourself in uh, a certain session in the uh, victim browser to actually uh, uh, trigger that XSS uh, in the that frozen context from that origin. Right. And uh, all of that to actually, uh, for example, access uh, an open it page from the previous session that uh, to read the window.location so
0: I've used that before right where you have a um, where you have a page that's already open and then you establish a you yeah. know a self access and then you go back up and reach over and grab it and bring it back in that's interesting it would be more interesting if we could figure out how to actively have control of the victim session in a different tab and i was thinking about this the other day and i was wondering whether it's possible to manipulate same site cookie policies to create two separate sessions inside the browser. And and so like, say for example, I've got my attacker-controlled page that's got an iframe, right? That iframe is not a top-level navigation, so uh, it's not gonna have cookies sent to it, right? Mm -hmm. And then within that that iframe, I, I log in myself, right? Trigger the XSS, reach back through the parent and over to the opener tab, which I've now redirected to the other site, the victim site, and that site still has the session open of the victim, but it's an isolated cookie session. Have you seen anything like this before? Do you think that would work? Or is there, am I missing something here?
1: I'm not sure. Because yeah, uh, yeah because uh, if you said uh, the cookie is set, I'm not sure it would be set in that context. Uh,
0: we'll, we'll look it up. At, I, I tried to look this up the other day, and I actually did an experiment on my own little website with various origins. And I don't think that cookie is set on that other tab, which makes me think that those cookies are still... There's like some sort of different... Context, And I'm sure what's going to
2: happen. Yeah, it's probably like some sort of cookie store. Because like on Chrome, for example, if you open the application tab, you have like cookies that are associated with that application, mm-hmm. quote unquote. Um, and it could be that it's basically just not reloaded from the, like it has to load it from the browser from the cookie store in order to have it associated with it.
0: Yeah, that, that's what I'm thinking. I think that could be a really, and I'm sure what's going to happen is after this episode, airs, someone's going to be like, Hey, Justin, here's the solution to this, which mm-hmm. I love. So please keep continue to do that. People like this is, this is one of the things I love the most about podcasting is I get free, free research from people <laughs> that just send me the answers to the things I want to know. Um, but it, it's very interesting. And I wish I had the answer off the top of my head. I didn't, I got pulled away that day, but um, I think that would be really interesting, right? Cause then, you know, you would actually just be able to control that session with the other cookies and you that would be a new way to kind of execute self xss but who knows if it'll actually work
1: sometimes like uh, you don't actually need all of that so for Mm. for example uh, you established uh, certain state in uh, that page just leave it like that and uh, do uh, start with all uh, like logout csrfs login csrf and mm. everything and just uh, come back after all of that and exploit that page mm. because it won't reload unless they have like a, a client-side code that would uh, for example if it detects uh, cookie changes mm. if mm. it detects uh, a logout state it would refresh unless it they do that uh you're safe, so just keep it waiting and uh, do the self-xSS and uh, mm. come back.
0: That yeah, that's one of the one of the biggest arguments I think for putting C protection around login and logout mechanisms is that any self-xSS can be really uh, badly exploited, you know, in a situation like that if you have both of those gadgets in place for login and logout, c And this is another um sort of con of using centralized login system. So cause if you've got the cookies isolated to a specific domain and then you know I, I hit login dot you know whatever dot com and that that still has it's session live and i can re-log in you know if they don't fully log the person out Mm-hmm-hmm. um then that can also result in some some bad stuff uh and, and as well as um social media logins and that sort yeah. of thing
1: uh, also some things like for example you have a self access let's say uh in facebook.com mm. but uh because facebook uh, meta have like uh, this centralized uh like uh like uh, let's say a platform, for example, uh, they allow some things uh, to be happen uh, to happen from workplace.com mm. uh, accessing Facebook.com, Facebook.com. Yeah. So if you find the self-access in Facebook.com, uh, you'll just target directly workplace user. You'll just target an Instagram user because they have like because uh, there's these chain these
0: these bridges bridges yeah like some kind of bridges, that's so. a great that's a great point and, and one of the things I've mentioned to my my mentees recently is like anytime you see any sort of domain bridging yeah yeah you and, just you, you, you've got to fully deep dive that and and we see that you know um, let's just say at plenty of live hacking events that we've been involved in. <laughs> there's <laughs> been issues with that and yeah. uh and so uh it's definitely definitely a uh, a great spot to continue to look for vulnerabilities um all right so let let's uh let's move a little bit here to um well i've got a couple directions we could go here we could go and talk about um window frame relationships uh window.opener window window.parent that sort of thing and uh sort of different ways to establish references to windows um or we could go the message port route. I don't know, let, let me just ask this. Have you done anything with message ports um, I- inside of post message related? You yeah,
1: know? I once found uh, an ATO with uh, the message port and uh, message channel. Okay, nice. Yeah, so basically message channel, uh, message port is like uh, uh, a port uh, you can use to communicate uh, instead of, po- it's, eventually it uses post message, but mm. uh, Initially, you said uh, you create a new message channel. Uh, message channel has two ports. Uh, you send uh, with post message uh, to uh, the the target uh, page you want to talk with, uh, and uh, you include the message port, one of the message ports from that message channel.
0: Okay, interesting. So you. And I, I found a, a message port bug before, but it was very rudimentary, so I didn't actually have to fully understand the, the message port yeah, yeah. functionality. So are you able to send the message port reference cross-origin?
1: Yeah, cross-origin you send, origin? Yeah, cross origin you send so it uh, in, uh, in post-message. And uh, it can only uh, read once, or uh, that uh, particular message port, it can only uh, be read once. Uh, by. So you can't, like, for example, uh, save the reference or... Uh, Ah, so, so it can be consumed one uh, once, okay.
0: Interesting. Okay.
1: So uh, basically, what they, why they do that? So they establish. Uh, let's say uh, attacker do, uh, Facebook.com wants wants to communicate with a certain domain, and uh, they don't want to every time check the origin, check uh, everything, do the source check. They do it once, and uh, they do all the checks. And uh, if all the checks uh, are uh, good, they share with them the message port. Now mm. that new message channel is totally safe. We can trust each other. We don't need to uh, do origin set, checks. Uh, every origin. So yeah. Lovely.
0: Okay. Is there so, any catches to that? You know?
1: Y- yeah. So basically, if you can uh, leak that message port that uh, have uh, the communication... Uh, Without uh, security checks, if you can leak it, uh, basically you can uh, do a lot of stuff. Is the message port reference just like a string, or how, how does it, wh- no, how do you like pass it? Yeah, so it can be passed in uh, ports, in ports in the post message. Okay. So post message allowed you to share uh, message ports or object uh, message ports. Interesting. So I feel
2: like there must be some way to like fetch it by name and the underlying APIs, right? Like somehow the browser is able to fetch a message port object off of that name so that it can communicate with it, right? Somehow?
1: Yeah, yeah, uh, no, uh, actually it uses that reference of message port to... Uh,
2: to just make a new object and then it just... No,
1: no, to ju- to send the message. Oh, it's, it's just... It's an yeah, object, so in right? memory uh, they have like, uh, because uh, two of them, they, they, uh, they have uh, different uh, origin. So they have like some kind of... Uh, maybe uh like memory uh, in memory they uh, both can access the same buffer i guess but mm. uh, uh, w-
0: this this is so when you said that i, I i'm like what what is this and i'm looking at the post message ndn right now okay. and it and it says or mdn it says there's an option for post message to take three parameters message target origin and then transfer Transfer yeah yeah uh, for, uh, transferable objects
1: and I'm never even I'm never so clonable uh, objects so uh, for example uh, regex can be shared. Uh, <laughs> yeah. th- we're
0: gonna make a new. We're gonna have <laughs> a new a new session now <laughs> where we quiz Yusuf on MDN yeah. documentation and see if he can recite it word for word. <laughs> yeah yeah continue uh, continue.
1: <laughs> a lot of objects can be shared, but uh, uh, not uh, like. Uh, so let's
0: see. L- l- let's see there's there's um there's array buffer message port readable stream writable stream transfer stream uh web transport receive stream that's interesting mm-hmm. web transport send stream audio data image bitmap video frame screen canvas and rtc data channel yeah very interesting and and so do these when these are transferred i wonder how it actually is it a part of that e object that you that you get when you do
1: so they, they maintain the same object prototype they uh that's why it's not uh, actually interesting oh uh, really because okay. uh, you can not like change uh, for example uh uh the object uh you can add for example something it, it shares the data of course but mm. uh, it doesn't change the prototype ah okay uh, so f- because sometimes like you uh uh i found a situation where uh, it, it uh, there is a check if it's a string and after that uh, they'll do something treated as an object uh okay so maybe if we can manipulate the mani- manipulate the prototype uh, so it's a string but uh, it contains let's say uh, uh a key called uh, safe equals something Sure. so you can do that with uh, with the transfer uh, the post message transfer so uh, it maintains the same prototype of that object.
2: There's a lot of really interesting information in this doc. Yeah, so uh, there
1: is uh, actually a nice trick there. So, uh, see target origin. So, uh, a lot of people assume that uh, it needs to be string, but actually, it can be an object uh, with uh, a key target origin and uh, a value uh, equals to uh, the actual origin. This, uh, you can use it to bypass a lot of checks, string checks.
2: Yeah. If yeah. at the time the event is scheduled to dispatch the scheme, hostname, or port of the Windows document does not match the provided target origin, it will not be dispatched. Only if all three match will it be dispatched. Dude,
3: that...
2: Yeah, and... Uh, this is
0: really interesting. Huh. I did not know that. So you can provide it with an object there that will because then it so look uh, i'm sorry I, I've, you've probably yeah, yeah. got it in your head yeah. uh for those of you that are are listening not watching i'm sorry we're looking at the mdn but look see yeah. the the post message has two has two um uh sort of Formates. what's the, what's the technical term for that it's like um, overloading like, function of over- over- mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. yeah. Function overloading, Mm -hmm. Um, one of them is message options and one of them is message target origin. The one that we normally see is message target origin, which is the string. But there's also the one with options where you can specify target origin Mm -hmm. and also specify transfer objects as well inside of that options. Very interesting. So if you have the ability to affect the second parameter directly of a post message request, then you can specify a target origin key inside of that object
1: yeah yeah so sometimes like they'll check the target origin as a string and uh, for example if it's an object they'll ignore it or uh, mm. I'm not sure yeah. so you can bypass the first check and the set target origin to uh,
2: the domain you want oh so crazy I'm, I'm
0: clapping into the yeah. <laughs> and, and
2: and again this transferables object thing we, we, we'll put a link in the description but yeah. The behavior of this, like I was just reading through how it how it explains how this works. And it's, it's very similar to what you said, where it's like when you transfer an object, it literally moves the memory, b- the block of memory to a different ownership. Mm-hmm. And depending on the type of object, like it says here, for example, when an array buffer is transferred, the memory resource that it points to is literally moved. Instead of copying the data, other objects are transferred by copying the associated resources and then deleting the old one.
1: So yeah uh, they actually had like uh, you know now they have site isolation but they had like uh, the possibility to share uh, to have a shared buffer shared using post message and the two sites will uh, for example if you make change to that buffer it would be changed in the other one so uh, that time uh, so uh, this i actually used but it didn't succeed uh, so uh, let's you share a shared buffer and uh, you keep it as it is, uh, for example, uh, with origin checks, with everything. When uh, you reach the point where, uh, for example, uh, it would uh, make a post message uh, to me with that origin, I just change uh, sh- uh, sh- the shared buffer and uh, it would be changing that. Uh, log- race condition. Yeah, yeah. Ra- basically, race same. conditioning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To, uh, yeah.
2: That's so interesting. I I, I need to look Dude,
0: at the I, I, I I'm <laughs> telling you, man, post yeah. message is the shit. I love that's post message. So um that that's great. And and so the other thing that we had, you know, from before was talking about window relationship, window frame relationships. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm I'm just gonna kind of talk through a couple of those. We've got the window.opener, right? That's the tab that's opened the current page. The window dot parent, that's gonna be your your um iframe's parent. Um, And then you've got some other things as well. You know, you can traverse into different frames by using a specific window reference and then dot frames. And that will include all the frames associated with that page. And then, um, but I'm a little bit confused because I I thought I did something recently and and it didn't work, where I had a child page that did a Mm window.open. Is that populated into the window frames or does it need to have a specific reference? Do you know? Off the top of your head, on whether how you can get a reference to, let's say I I open up a page, right? Okay,
1: you need to uh, keep the reference in a variable. you, okay. you can't access it directly, like no, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah no, so if I control the page, yes. But if the if it's a different origin, so I pop open a page, mm-hmm. that page pops open another page. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no way I can get a reference to that third page.
1: oh, it's impossible it's impossible yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. ah dude that's so that's so frustrating. I know that there is something that I read at, by name uh, by yeah, okay, yeah, so yeah, yeah. have Sometimes. you ever done anything with that i don't yeah. i I couldn't get it to work properly, and we we talked about it on the podcast one time, but I don't remember whether we actually got it to work ever. This will work if the pop-up window was opened from a different frame on the same domain.
2: Same domain, yeah. On modern browsers, this will even work. if The window was, yes. It also says, (laughs) (laughs) I'm just, I'm in my own zone. (laughs) In modern browsers, uh, this will even work if the window has been opened from a different frame on a different domain. But this can cause some strange behavior in Internet Explorer specifically. Yeah. So maybe that's worth looking into. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But uh, that that is super interesting. So by window name, you can basically. Uh, not window. Uh, like, uh,
1: when you set uh, window.open, you set the name of the, the open window. Later when, uh, let's say... Uh, uh,
0: yeah, it's uh, actually... You call
2: it again?
0: It just uses the same Yeah, yeah. I wonder yeah. if I can store a frame reference. So, for example, I have attacker page. Attacker page opens up another attacker page okay. frame, right? That page opens up another frame. With window with a uh, window. specifying the name parameter. Mm-hmm. Then this guy gets a reference to that one because this is all same origin at this point. Yeah, you can. Have... And then this guy redirects away. I still have a reference to that. That I'm sorry. This is terrible for yeah, any you of you f- listening on the actual podcast because <laughs> I've got my hand and I'm just waving it, you know, in the air. Um, so th- let me try. Let me try one more time. I'm sorry, Yusuf. So I've got an attacker controlled page that opens another page, and then so this is page number two. Page number two. Opens up a new tab with, and these are all same origin at this mm-hmm, point, mm-hmm. with with window.name uh, or window.open specifying the name parameter. And then the second page transfers away, but you're still able to reference that third page from the first page. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's possible. You don't uh, think so? Uh,
1: yeah, okay. I don't think so because uh, the middle. Uh, page uh, is lost so uh, unless you uh, keep the reference uh, to a variable uh...
0: right that's kind of what i was thinking I- I- if we can reference if we can get a reference to it yeah, and then we you can
1: act- uh, actually access
2: yeah cuz uh... like why can't you open a new tab store that as a reference in memory with it like a named tab that you know is going to be reused mm-hmm. and then say your your attacker or sorry the uh, website you're attacking the victim site does a window dot open with the same window name you still have a reference to that because you controlled it originally, and it's going to update that existing window to the new URL, right? So,
0: I have no idea, man. This is yeah. this is definitely so, com- something I'd like to see more research on the window name or the window name. Yeah, there, there are, sometimes
1: uh, you know the, the iframe can be the opener of the parent window. Yeah, there are some tricks that what? you can do. Yeah.
0: Whoa, 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 hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Say that one more time. The the what?
1: The iframe uh, now is the opener of the parent window. So the, when you look in opener in parent, you will find the iframe as uh, an opener. Yeah, but this is not- of how? Yeah, so- uh, That doesn't make any sense. It makes, it makes, so- uh, <laughs> I don't uh, remember the details, but uh, it's possible. Wow, dude, we uh, got to... It's not like uh, something big uh, that you can use unless uh, there are some conditions for an attack to happen uh, like that in a particular way. So in that case, uh, you
0: can... you can, wow. Yeah. Dude, that's crazy, man. I I have definitely want to do some more research into this and kind of so this there's this article that we've referenced a couple times on the podcast. It's called Every Known Way to Get References to Windows in JavaScript. We'll we'll, we'll link it in the description for this episode, but it does a pretty good job. I don't think it's every every single way. I, so uh, yeah.
1: do, do you know about the opener uh, policy like uh,
0: No, talk to me about it.
1: Yeah, so uh, now uh, with the browser, you can control if uh, you want to keep the reference to the opener or not, or... Uh... Ah,
0: I have seen this, yes. And in, in you can do it in the... Um, is this something you do in the meta tag, or is it a part of the... Uh,
1: uh, uh, metadata or in the headers. Right, uh, okay, yeah, in, in the headers. Uh, yeah, yeah, I guess in the headers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah cross-origin opener policy, Coop.
0: Uh, oh, Coop. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay, that's right.
1: So that limited uh, some of the uh, uh, client-side attacks or uh, these attacks.
2: Yeah. How, how are you going about finding out about new stuff? Because there's, like, I mean, the browser space especially is changing a lot, but even just separate from that, like, the programs that you hack on a lot, how are you finding new features? And are you just sort of, like, watching their blog? Or how do you, how do you look for new stuff to hack on on those same targets and also like stay up to date about like browser level stuff at the same time.
1: Yeah, uh, so with browsers, uh, it's uh, basically, they have like always uh, discussions uh, about uh, like uh, how to uh, fix this, how to, um, so uh, they're always discussing uh, stuff and uh, I always uh, keep looking uh, into the, into them mm-hmm. and uh, I check uh, origin trials uh, for new features in browsers mm-hmm. and browsers uh, and go read about them. Uh, with targets, uh, it's uh, about recon. So you have uh, scripts in the background, checking JavaScript files, downloading them and uh, trying to find a new code, new stuff. And uh, if it's found, uh, I just start working on it.
2: Yeah. So actually, that's a perfect transition. I, I wanted to talk about recon. So I think you have a JavaScript monitoring sort of system that you've got, right? So Mm -hmm. can you talk a little bit about that and how that works and and sort of how that plays into what we just talked about? Yeah, so basically, uh, let's, uh,
1: uh, for example, Facebook, uh, they have uh, like uh, an endpoint that uh, would download uh, React modules or uh, return JavaScript files that include that module. So basically what I do, uh, i just uh, keep uh, downloading Javascript files, keep uh, collecting module names uh, uh, after that uh, query that endpoint for uh, more uh, Javascript files and uh, keep uh, the loop on and uh, also scraping pages like uh, in Facebook for New module names, and after that, download the JavaScript files. So it's about collecting as much as possible. So, of JavaScript so
0: y- it seems like so for me, just from a naive perspective, I'm looking at <clears throat> I'm looking at these whole JavaScript sort of packages that they have in a specific application as a holistic entity, and it, as as individual you know, or not as individual you know modules and mm-hmm. stuff like that inside. Um, and and I think I know of some hackers uh, that that do it a little bit more granularly. Okay, okay, this piece you know, of code is a part of this library or this module, which is a part of this whole thing that's web packed into mm-hmm. this you know minified garbage that we all have to read. Um, so I assume you know Facebook gives you this nice endpoint where you download the modules individually. But how do you do you take that same approach when you're looking at different targets where it's like I'm separating out, okay, this module is a piece of this, and how do you parse this minified JavaScript to, to break apart all of these different modules and packages and stuff like that?
1: Yeah, so with other targets, like Facebook is too nice to have, like, uh, Yeah, that's give nice. the uh, module names. Yeah, uh, with uh, other targets, it's like obfuscated. The module name is random. Sometimes it's just uh, an ID or Number. yeah, or numbers. Yeah.
0: So so mm, that I, actually I, we're gonna come back to. I'll let you k- finish, but we I do want to come back to Webpack lazy loaded things where they've got the you know one, two, three, colon, yeah, yeah, hash, yeah. dot, JS, or whatever. But anyway, continue. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. So uh, I'll just uh, focus on uh, not the uh, the actual contained of the function. Mm-hmm. I'll uh, just, uh, like, let's say I'll give it a hash, like that uh, particular function uh, with, with what uh, it's doing now or uh, it's contained now. Even if a uh, character is changed, let's say variable name A, B, C, like that doesn't matter. Uh, and uh, I'll give it uh, a hash. And that hash uh, reference uh, to that particular function. Now I'll just keep monitoring uh, if that function uh, was
0: changed. Is this minified code? Yes. Oh, interesting. So you're, you're, you're if I understood it correctly, you're, you're taking a specific function, you're hashing it. So are you doing like AST trees and like breaking down the whole code yeah, structure?
1: And to, yeah, on two functions. And, Dang, uh, yeah. dude. Yeah, but uh, it's not perfect. But uh, it keeps me like with all the like the hundreds of functions and all of that. Uh, yeah. I just keep uh, some kind of reference that uh, this function is actually maybe this function mm-hmm. uh, from a long, old version of that uh, package. So that way, yeah, I can like uh, minimize the like, false positives. I, yeah. False positives. You, I can look for new uh, functions or uh, new code. Do you, do you have
2: it. an elegant way of dealing with like variable names? Because I imagine if you hash like a Webpack function, and then the next version, it's yeah, got yeah, different uh, variable names, but so it might it, be the same function.
1: Yeah it depends on uh, the target so sometimes I'll just uh, detect that uh, uh, they will use uh, single characters or for example uh, uh, I'll uh, the va- uh, the arguments would be a b c d e f so uh, that's uh, fixed but in the uh, actual function itself uh, they'll uh, use sometimes random uh, uh, characters so I'll have like uh, different versions and uh, different hash for a different uh if this was a if this was b if uh, this was uh, c got it so it's uh, it's not perfect but it's just for comparison like right. to find like uh after downloading uh, this month's uh, version uh this particular hash yeah is it found just to try the- and reduce that
2: attack surface yeah, yeah, down yeah, to yeah, something yeah. usable yeah and okay so then do you do any of the hot AI stuff with it as well? Like, do you run it through chat GPT or anything like that? Or is it, is it just use of GPT? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no. I use, uh,
1: sometimes chat GPT to just like clear the code. Like, uh, okay. Uh, can you, uh, can you understand what's <laughs> happening here? Yeah. Just, uh, more, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not spot the bug, yeah. but just, uh, like uh, as code, uh, yeah. uh, with ChatGPT, uh, currently, I only use it, uh, let's say, as a programmer, not as uh, security, uh, from a security perspective. Mm-hmm. So as a programmer, just cl- clarify this code, uh, clarify uh, mm-hmm. the names, variable names, uh, make a sense of them. That, and, uh, that makes that's sense. It. And uh, after that, I'll just uh, do the security checks.
0: I, w- I want to go back to that hashing thing you mentioned. So are you using a- AST to to parse out like, because JavaScript has like, there's just like 15 bajillion ways to define functions and like, you know, there's just a a mess of syntax that you have to do. So are you using regex for this? Are you using, you know, syntax parsing? Are you doing, how are you doing this? So
1: the only reason I'm doing this, for Mm. example, when uh, the first thing uh, I do after downloading uh, the package is uh, break it into functions or uh, parts, so now uh, with the new version I have of that package, I want to make sure that uh, this function uh, is not like uh, new. I already checked it; it's uh, so uh, I already have in the previous version uh, uh, hashes of uh, that function with uh, like even with the conditions that that variable was changed to G. That variable name was changed. So if uh, I do check of that uh, of the of the function in the new package, it's hash. I'll shake it in the previous ones. If it's just found, I'll just remove that function and focus on the new How one.
0: are you extracting the functions, though?
1: Uh, it's like uh, Minify and uh, like uh, with... Uh, Grip breaks and all. That. Okay, yeah, so so it's uh... doing it
0: via regular expressions. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's that's a lot, man. <laughs> there's 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 some technology that I've been using, um, AST, which I think. Do you know what it stands for off the top of your head, Joel? No, a- abstract syntax tree. Yeah. So I keep on wanting to say AST trees. Okay, what's but that? It's abstract abstract syntax tree. Ab- so it should yeah, just be syntax <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> don't don't <laughs> abstract <laughs> syntax <laughs> trees. Um, <laughs> essentially, what it does, and this is how. Um, uh, JSLuce, the tool that Tom Nom released, uh, deals with this, and essentially what it does is it allows you to parse the grammar of oh, okay. of those specific um, code base that you're dealing with. So I've done some automation with this with uh, with PHP, and you can also do this with JS, where it will go through and say, "Okay, this is a function. Here's give me all function definitions," and it'll query that whole code block for any function definitions. Yeah,
2: it's essentially it's a programmatic way of parsing code right so it's a jo- like javascript has these built-in libraries that you give it a chunk of javascript code and it will return an object that you can then say uh you know what what's the first variable definition and if so what's on the left side what's on the right side mm-hmm. variable name value and what's what's the name of this function what line is it at how big is it and it, it will do all of that in like a, a codified way so it's a lot more strict in terms of like it has to be valid JavaScript code. It has to be able to validly parse it and understand it for it to get there, which it should be able to. Um, but it's, yeah, I like that approach more. Like, regex, I, I would always be worried that I'd be missing stuff, probably. That's, that's... Yeah, but... Uh... Well, you you know what you're looking for specifically, because yeah, uh, yeah. because I have
1: certain uh, like uh, let's say, uh, code or regex for this target for this target. So uh, I spend some time, like with each target uh, to basically have the Ruricon right. Mm-hmm. And after that, I just uh, forget it. This is
0: exactly right. what we've been talking about is like, And I've actually spoken with some people in the um, in the critical thinking community about building this, and I I kind of got about halfway through it myself, and I haven't swung back around to it. But essentially, building instead of building a JS monitoring tool, building a JS monitoring framework, because at the end of the day, all of these scripts should be custom, Mm -hmm. because for each target, they're going to have a different you know. Uh, way that they're doing everything and you know a different way of getting the files and then you gotta you know unlazy load them and then load mm-hmm. them all in and then Js beautify them and then everything all the formats are different. So really for each target, you've got individual things you should be looking at differently. And so I think that what we should do is build a Python package that makes monitoring these things a little bit easier and say, okay, you know here's an HTML page, grab this specific script tag. okay, now you've got the script tag. Great, we've got an automatic um you know d lazy loader that that you know runs node on the inside and just you know dumps mm-hmm. out all the values for these lazy loaded files and stuff like that um and then build a library surrounding that and then we use that library to create specific automation for specific um uh targets y- using these sort of tools and it seems like that's what you've done,
1: yeah but uh in <clears throat> uh uh, it's uh, for me, it's still a tool, not a framework. Like, yeah, uh, I do. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's not. Do you uh, just
2: run it once and it does everything at once? Or do you have different? <laughs> sorry, <Do> you, <laughs> I, <laughs> I imagine like I have a, just like a microphone attached to me at I all times. Um, <laughs> so do you do you run it just like one and done and it does everything at once? Or do you have different? No, but I
1: have to set it up. I need to do some manual work uh, at first and uh, after that.
2: Uh, for, per target?
1: Per target, yeah. yeah, and after that, set a few things
2: uh, and uh, keep it uh, working. Yeah, very cool. It kind of reminds me of um, there's a couple different source map uh, JavaScript source map unpacking tools that are like this because source map also it can be a little bit different per you know how it's how it's deployed or whatever, and so sometimes you need to pull it from a different like index on mm-hmm. in an array or something like index one instead of index zero. And one of the tools that I've used is it specifically allows you to configure, like I want it from this path on the AST, and it'll specifically do that. I think something like that, plus what Justin was talking about would be a good approach where you could say, say, like for this target, the thing I'm looking for is here. And then you just feed it a blob, and it just parses it, pulls it out, and then you can just run that every single time until it changes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I like that idea. Yeah,
0: and I'll I'll mention this. I haven't played around with this tool yet, but somebody in the critical thinkers, uh, the premium chat for mm-hmm. uh, for our our Discord. Um, Released this or posted this in here the other day. It's uh, github.com slash mido xnet slash mapper plus. It seems like a it says an advanced source map extractor based on a headless browser. And this is something that I thought about mm-hmm. doing for a while using headless browser to actually do that source map abstraction. Um, uh, easier. Be nice. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so I'm gonna, yeah. I'm definitely gonna check this out after this. They, <laughs> they dumped it on me right as I was about to go and do uh, a live hacking event. So I haven't had the chance to check it out yet. But I think there's a lot of innovation that could be done in the source map space. And obviously, you've got. Um, yeah, you know,
1: uh, I won't say mine is the most innovative one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah because uh, yeah, it's basic, but uh, because uh, I, I'm just looking for uh, certain stuff. So mm. after all, it's code. Uh, if I detect a pattern. Uh, in the code, I just uh, I don't need to fully understand it or reverse engineer it. Or
0: uh, yeah. yeah, no, and I think that that shows that shows expertise though. That shows that you know what you're looking for, which I think is is very good. Just just one second, Joel. And then um, but uh, so the the Webpack lazy loading piece. Obviously, we've got tools like um, uh, JSLoose and um, Jace Weasel that are kind of addressing this uh, as well. Um, have you do you have your own I guess, piece of technology to go through and and address those sort of lazy loaded pieces where it's like, you know, one, two, three, four, colon, hash, and then it's dynamically creating that that JS file? Do you know what I'm talking about or is it a little too abstract?
1: Actually, I didn't like... uh... Like uh, with the targets I work on, mm. uh, I don't usually see. Uh, they don't my, have that very often. Yeah, okay, it's uh, it's too so <laughs>
2: complicated. Fortunate, I mean, <laughs> lazy loaded JavaScript is so annoying to hack on. Yeah.
0: Um, well, l- l- let me let me just do this though, uh, Joel. I'm not even sure if you saw because we've been uh, you know knee deep in the live hacking event, but I just released to the um, oh, like to the to the critical thinkers Discord, the premium channel, mm-hmm. a new. So I'll I'll share this with you too, Yusuf. I I um. I and you'll have access to it after this anyway because we give all the speakers access to the exclusive content. But um, the, for I've been trying to solve this problem of like how do I programmatically extract lazy loaded JavaScript mm-hmm. for a while, right? And and it's these functions that look like this. I'll, I'll turn it around. You can see it on the left hand side. But it's uh it's these you know, these numbers right here on the side and then the okay. hash and then it automatically generates it. Yeah, so yeah. for a while, the first version of the script that I did was using these crazy regex to like parse out the number and the correlating the name and the hash and the number and the hash and it was just a whole cluster, right? Yeah, yeah. And then I realized, oh shit, the function that has this defined in in the JavaScript is actually a function designed to dynamically generate
1: Yeah, you don't do uh... the name. Mm-hmm. So
0: just all I had to do... Was copy the function, okay? You know, put it in my script, run eval, and then pass every number that I see, and it just automatically generates. Yeah, yeah. The, you, the... you don't
1: have to worry about that. Uh, yeah.
0: Exactly, exactly. And so, um, so now we've got a very easy way to extract that, um, using Node. Uh, and, and you know, obviously in the browser, that they're only going to load the things that they need dynamically. Um, but when we were doing recon, we want to have every access to every single JS file. So I released that script to the uh, to the critical thinkers. Um, we'll uh, we'll we'll leave it as a as a uh, as a task to the to the non critical thinking listeners um, to go ahead and build that yourself. Uh, but it's been very helpful for me with with uh, recon and analysis, and I think it would be for other people as well. Um, one other question that I had here and then we'll kind of go into a little bit more of hacking methodology stuff uh, as we close, is how do you deal with, I guess, how do you think about client-side routing in an application that you're looking at? Like, do you often go through there and try to enumerate all of the client-side routes that are associated with an application? Um, And do you have any uh, tips and tricks you use for this with various frameworks, or is it mostly just going in there reading the code, putting in the time to understand where all those client-side routes are defined. Yeah, yeah, so
1: I I'll initially uh, try to understand how they define routes uh, and everything after that. That's I a ju- pretty
0: high priority for you in the beginning, or? Uh, yeah,
1: at some point, mm. not in the beginning. Okay. But at some point, uh, I try to uh, find routes and uh, client-side routes, of course. Mm. And uh, uh, after that, uh, I just, uh, Like extract uh, all the list and uh, review it manually. Mm, So mm. it's uh, mainly a manual
0: manual process. Yeah, that's something that I'd also like to see some innovation in the space. And I always like to mention this on the podcast because somebody's going to get, some Mm. Joel-like person out there is going to get triggered and have to go write this tool that parses like, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) Um, you know, like React or, you know, all of these different frameworks have their own way of defining these client-side routes. And I think it'd be really cool to just kind of um, have some sort of browser plugin or some sort of tool that would show me exactly what code is being executed when I I uh, go to this specific route. And for this event, I can talk about it. You know, for this event. Um, you know, there's there's this you you for one of the targets you visit a route and then it's got like this whole weird stretch of JavaScript and then instantiates a class. So the first thing that really runs is like the constructor of this class mm-hmm. associated with that specific route. Um, and so you know, if that's a common thing, it'd be really cool to be able to link it to that class and would help with enumerating all these rather than having to set breakpoints and then work back. So that's what I do. Is that what yeah, you do as well? Yeah.
1: So I have to, it's like, uh, <laughs> to some point, it's uh, co- complicated. Uh, you have to find, like, the first uh, first lead uh, and after that, follow it uh, to understand how it works. And uh, you do it with a single route, and after that,
2: uh, you can do it to uh, yeah. uh, automate it with other routes. Nice. Yeah, a lot, a lot of it sounds like sort of that, that calibration that you're talking about, where when you're starting on a new target, like, identifying, What are the patterns? How do do they structure stuff? What do their routes look like? What do client side routes look like? Um, I noticed that a lot in mobile as well, actually, because mobile, again, lots of obfuscation, same Same looking for patterns. So you mentioned um, in your, your Bug Bounty Reports Explained interview that you wanted to do more like, you know, mobile stuff and less web. Have you been doing that? Yeah, so uh, I won't say I did uh, more uh, mobile than web, but
1: uh, I tried. <laughs> <coughs> so it was like a uh, couple of uh, so I, I I've been working with uh, on uh, Oath for uh, like uh, for the past uh, past few years, and I wanted to uh, know uh, how uh, mobile handles that. So yeah, it was uh, it was a research about like uh, let's say uh, you want to. Uh, to connect to uh, in a company using Facebook uh, in mobile yep. and how that is handled, how the communication between uh, that company uh, application with the Facebook application, uh, how the they start the in- intent with the parameters, right. how Facebook shake, shakes uh, these parameters yep. and uh, make the O F call. Uh, So uh, I I did the research on Facebook, uh, like logging in uh, with Facebook on mobile. And uh, I found like a couple or uh, three bags there. uh, Awesome. (laughs) How like uh, they can verify how the application that requested the OAuth token of, uh, let's say, app ID equals one. Yeah. How we we can verify that application has the right to... uh, access or mm-hmm. to read that oath mm-hmm. uh, they did some like android app uh, signing and uh, all of that but uh, a certain uh, po- uh, point uh, they failed to uh, it's like a rear condition they failed to uh, have like uh, uh to pass the uh the signature in uh, the oath request mm-hmm. or the signed like Android uh, key or something yeah they passed the uh, they uh, they failed to pass it and uh, with that if uh, in the server side if it uh, receives a null uh, uh, key uh, it would uh, just return the oath it, like it would be successful <laughs> and uh, yeah yeah but uh, uh it's not like uh automatic you yeah. need to allow for example let's say uh you're uh, browsing uh, any app yep. and uh, a pop-up will uh, yeah.
2: show which app do you want to open this in
1: no no uh pop-up will show uh, do you authorize instagram uh, oh wow yeah do you authorize instagram uh, application to access your uh your account let's say okay Uh, You need to confirm, but when you confirm, you're not uh, confirming uh, the sharing of the OAuth token with the Instagram Mm. app, but
2: with the attacker app. I see. So when you do that, um, when you're looking at these stuff, are you mainly looking at, like, the meta-owned apps? Are you looking at other apps that implement, like, Facebook login, for example, through OAuth? Yeah, because uh, even other apps uh, would use the SDK
1: by Facebook. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't matter. I'll just focus on the main Facebook app and the SDK.
2: Because they probably use the same... Yeah, yeah. yeah the, they use the their same. own SDK. And,
1: yeah. yeah. And uh, another bug I found uh, is uh, like uh, a race condition. Uh, I'm not sure it's, uh, it's zero day in. Uh, it's not. Uh, so they have a JavaScript bridge yep. in WebView uh, where uh, you can. Uh, so they predefine uh, some JavaScript functions that uh, uh, you can call from. Uh, yeah. Uh, let's say target.com page uh in facebook webview yeah. and target.com page uh, can uh, uh uh like have the oath uh, uh token uh uh return to it uh, from um uh, Return to it from uh, from the bridge from the yeah. bridge, yeah, yeah right. Uh, so uh, what I did, like, uh, it's like a risk condition yeah. where it verifies like uh, the document dot uh, domain or uh, the window dot location dot ref. Yeah. So I make a redirect, uh, uh, and uh, that redirect takes a lot of time, mm. and uh, it would uh, trick it uh, into thinking that. Uh, uh, it's uh, it has reached that page. It's all come full
2: full circle. I yeah, mean, it's yeah. making
1: me think about the um, the it's thing that we we're like talking about at the beginning, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's similar to the risk condition, the other that uh, yeah, with says, caching. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, this one in mobile. So uh, basically, uh, yeah, you t- you trick uh, the bridge into thinking that uh, the
2: origin was uh, changed but it yeah. wasn't time of check versus time of use wow. yeah yeah that's yeah, super super interesting that's awesome i mean race conditions on mobile usually don't surface themselves in that way and it's such a it's such an interesting perspective to see like someone who's like such a javascript like hacker come and attack mobile in like the same way and so much of it just still works yeah yeah, yeah.
0: dude that's uh that's clutch man i love anything relating to delayed uh, you know, responses, HTTP mm-hmm. responses. That's really there's there's a couple scenarios in the browser as well where you can manipulate or you ha- you need to have a specific set of requests land in a specific order. And so I've I've used uh delay and now with with uh, uh, same like site cookie being mm-hmm. default, uh, all of these have to be top level navigations. So yeah, yeah, yeah. you what I'll often do is submit a request into a different a post request into a different tab. Delay the response, and then eventually three hundred seven it to a different location, and then in that meantime, have the original tab do a top level nav to a different endpoint. So you can get two top level navs off of one click, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. which is helpful in those in those scenarios. Yeah, um,
1: uh, in this like uh, attack, like mm. uh, how I delayed, uh, I just make a a post request, uh, a post like uh, a redirect with a post uh, request. So. Mm. Uh, you set the target to self uh, mm. and uh, like make the body like five megabytes or something, and it just keep uh, waiting. Like uh, it really, will take forever. Yeah. Oh wow, so. interesting.
0: Yeah. So, oh, but because because well, couldn't you also? Oh no, because it, it has to be. What what origin are you sending the message to?
1: So uh, I don't recall. Uh, exa- yeah.
0: No, but but like like because if you're sending it to your own server, you could just do like a delayed HTTP response right and then 307 no,
1: it's not, uh, it's not so what right. Uh, right so what this uh, the, uh, will do uh, okay it'll try it will try to uh, send the post message to that page mm. okay but now uh, I send the post request to my door uh, to the attacker page and would take a lot of time yeah so there is uh, a point where it uh, it fails to check that uh, the page has
0: changed, but it it didn't. Gotcha. Okay, I I see I see why you're doing the once again the so the <laughs> first, massive body yeah, of yeah, the yeah. the first <laughs> yeah. page is uh, still
1: loaded and uh, everything, but it thinks that uh, the second uh, it it actually redirected onto that.
0: That makes sense. That makes sense. Wow. Um, so many things uh, from this uh, this episode that are just kind of spinning around in my head still. Um, I-, I do have a, a place I want to go next. Did you have something you wanted to say on that? Oh, I was going to say the same thing.
2: I mean, I-, I wish I brought like a pad of sticky notes with me because I'm like, I'm like sitting over here, but I want to, I'm like taking notes in my head and I'm like, I need to write all these down when I'm done. Luckily we've luck- recording. Yeah, I was
0: going to say we've got the recording. We we got our boy uh, our boy Brandon too grep me who's doing the uh, the hacker notes now. So we'll we'll get those there too. Make sure you check those out by the way on blog.criticalthinkingpodcast.io. Uh, um, you definitely need him for this episode because there's a lot of a lot of information. I'm gonna to have to get him this episode early because it's gonna take him a long time to parse out everything we said here. The last thing that I kind of wanted to go into here was you mentioned on your uh, bug bounty reports explained interview and I, I want to also oh, just take the time now to shout that interview out if you enjoy this interview you will most definitely enjoy that interview so um, definitely check out. Bug Bounty reports explains uh, interview with Yusuf. Really great content there. You mentioned on that interview that you use. Um, m- am I might. it's a water break. Yeah. <laughs> get, get get your water. Get your water, Yusuf. Come on, this is this is a chill thing. Um, he's at like three sips. So he's, he he starts to reach for it. I say no, don't 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 okay. drink it. I got a question. <laughs> Answer quick, Yusuf. Um, no, uh, you mentioned on that they use uh, MITM proxy, I believe, or maybe it's a different. I couldn't hear what you said; it kind MITM of cut proxy. out, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. and uh, so and you prefer to write your plugins in that
1: yeah, instead of globe, yeah.
0: yeah it, it, could, could you talk a little bit about what you use that for a, l- a little bit more in depth? Because you mentioned on there, you know, uh, there's something about secrets and that sort of thing, but uh, I, I imagine you're looking for more specific things on specific targets, or you, is it more generic things? And are you Parsing JavaScript with that, or are you looking at HTTP r- requests specifically?
1: Yeah, so uh, while I'm browsing the in the in my browser, I'll uh, I'll use uh, mainly Mitum Proxy and uh, do an upstream to verb, mm. uh, and meetm Proxy will basically uh, save uh, in time, like without delay, the everything HTML pages and uh, JavaScript uh, files and all of that, and start doing work on that. I don't need like to wait for verb and after that uh, export it, and Export then... and that all of that. So while I'm navigating, uh, the things uh, work is being done in the background. Mm, That's and, the, and what kind of things? Yeah, so ma- mainly uh, share also... the secret. This is critical yeah. thinking yeah, yeah,
0: podcast yeah. <laughs> here, Yusuf. We don't just say we do things in the background. Come on.
1: Yeah, so uh, for example, uh, it uh, extracts a uh, few things from the HTML page. Um, oh, did I
0: hear? Did I hear things from the HTML? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> are we? Are we? Are so? We're. You know. You said from the HTML page, so I imagine you know this is these are things specific to the current session, or
1: yeah, to the current session. Uh, it's also basic uh, recon. For example, uh, endpoints uh, mentioned in HTML, not in JavaScript. Ah, in JavaScript, it uh, also uh, uh, gets uh, all the. In points and possibly sometimes the parameters used uh, to the request to that Interesting. Endpoint. and uh, it just shows them uh, directly to me, and uh, I'll just start testing. I don't need like to do uh... so. It's basically uh, scraping, but uh, it's basically uh, like having like uh, uh, headless Chrome. Yeah, it's like a scoped scraping because it's only for the stuff that you're proxying. Yeah, yeah. And then use burps in upstream, is that? Yeah, yeah, so
2: I can uh, still uh, check things manually. That's cool. That's awesome. Um, Do you use those like paths and stuff to create your own word list or do you, is that part of your recon flow at all or is it just you look for the paths, you test the paths and that's kind of it? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Got it, cool. Nice. Yeah, I've never really used Middim Proxy. Oh, yeah. I'm not sorry. gonna lie. Um, I've seen it used in a, in a couple different places for like, especially hardware device proxying. I see a lot of people use it for that. Um, what are the the plugins written? Like, is it like a bash or what is
1: it? No, it's Python.
2: It's Python. Oh, yeah. awesome! Wow, look at that <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. script changes HTTP in Python. That's pretty sick. It's pre-
1: it's yeah. like uh BURB, but uh, in code, like you can you can uh, do uh, you can even like at some point. Uh, I thought about having a graphical interface for it and uh, use it as burp but uh, we had we have burp so why uh,
0: Exactly yeah uh, now there's definitely there's things uh, designed for that already this this is really interesting though and I think this could be useful as well now that um Kaido has upstream stuff in place is if you really need some sort of plugin for your for your workflow you could disjoin it from a specific thing like burp or kaido or anything like that so you're able to be more flexible with your proxy GUI and actually have, you know, this as a lower level thing. Yeah, yeah. The, You're interacting directly with the file system. And, you know, I haven't used this at all, but I'm just looking briefly over the docs right now and as as I was prepping for this episode, and it looks really yeah, clean and simple.
1: Yeah, and it gives you access to anything and uh, the request and the response and everything. It,
0: it Like, that's what you need, man. All I need is a request object, a response object. Like, yeah. it doesn't have to be that freaking complex, you know, and then just let me do something with that. So that's uh, that's beautiful. I understand why you use that, and I think that's probably a great approach for any... And, and we've kind of talked about this on the pod as well. We need to now, we need to disjoint any plugins that we're creating um, from... From Burp and from Kaido, because Kaido has its problems, right? Burp Mm -hmm. has its problems, and you know, whichever you know arena you're in right now, there's no value in creating something for one when half of your environment is not going to be able to use it. So I think using something, creating it for like something like MITM proxy, could uh... could really allow you to just chain that right into the upstream and then disconnect from which proxy you're actually going to be using and still have access to all these plugins. Hopefully, hopefully, Kaido's uh, Kaido's uh, plugin interface will come out soon. Though that that is something that I think they're very close to.
2: Um, so.
0: I think that's all I had as far as questions. Joel, did you have anything else before you wanted to, before we close it off?
2: I mean, unless he wants to give me his social security number or something, (laughs) I think I've asked everything. (laughs) That's great. Well,
0: Yusuf, this has definitely been one of the most informative episodes we've ever had. So thank Thank you so much for for sharing your knowledge on all these different things and these awesome uh, uh, bug stories. I I also have to say I'm very impressed with your technical context window and how much of these bug bug details you can remember just sort of on the fly as we're talking about it so um yeah thank you so much for coming on and for sharing all that
1: uh thank you for having me Mm. and uh yeah you're on a great show
0: (laughs) thank you thank you and i i guess you're on on twitter you're uh sam samuda with an zero Uh, right yeah Yeah. and then uh do you have any any other uh socials you want to shout out
1: yeah, just Twitter.
0: Just Twitter. All right, go follow <laughs> him on Twitter, guys. And check out the blog, too, YSam.com. Oh, yeah, com. YSam.com, yeah. yeah maybe, maybe we'll see some more blogs there sometime soon. Who knows? Maybe, maybe. All right, maybe. thanks, man.